The night is hot as hell. It's a lousy room in a lousy part of a lousy town. I'm staring at a goddess. She's telling me she wants me. I'm not gonna waste one more second wondering how I've gotten so lucky. I need you. Goldie. She says her name is Goldie. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have nostalgia for, we then revisit and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we have just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Michael Gervaz. Michael, how are you? Hello, Connor. Do you have like a gritty inner monologue running after this film or? Yeah, yeah, I was trying. I was trying to go for something like that and I just couldn't think of anything. <laughs> my inner monologue is just empty. He should have been like, my co-host asks me how I'm going. How do you think I'm going? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll admit after after this flick, I always find myself walking around with like the, the Peter Gunn theme kind of in my head, like ding, 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 that kind of yeah. shit. Uh, makes Gives me a big boner for coats, this movie. Oh. Uh, of course, we're talking about Sin City, also known as Frank Miller's Sin City, a 2005 American neo-noir crime anthology film Produced and directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez, uh, based on Frank Miller's graphic novel of the same name, uh, follows uh, four four stories all up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of bookended by uh, part one and part two, uh, two uh, two separate stories, and then the the meat of the film is made up by uh, the two stories: the hard goodbye and the big fat kill. The the shorter ones that are bookended is the customer mm-hmm. is always right and the yellow bastard. Yes, the the yellow bastard part one is is quite short, uh, and then we get into the hard goodbye and the big fat kill, which take up uh, the the kind of middle of the of the film, uh, and then the yellow bastard part two uh, is is comparable in length to the the other two. Yeah, uh, it's, just it's, about. It's a good it's a good length. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then the customer was always right. Part two. Uh, kind of caps things off nicely. The film stars an ensemble cast led by Jessica Alba, Benicio del Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, and Elijah Wood. Features Alexis Bledel, Michael Clark Duncan, Rosario Dawson, Carla Gugino, Rutger Hauer, Jamie King, Michael Madsen, Nick Stahl, and Mackenzie Vega, among others. Uh, God damn, dude. And 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 it's it's not listed here in the uh, at the top of the article, but fucking Powers Booth. As Senator Rourke, dude. Mm. Oh, that dude's voice is gravelly goodness. Yeah. And I love it. And that stash. Mwah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I saw this film. I mean, it came out in 2005. I feel like I would have seen it somewhere close to that. Probably maybe 2007. I think I was similar. 2007. I was a little young to see it in the cinemas, so I didn't, yeah. definitely didn't get to do that. But it was two or three years later that I uh, picked it up at the video store. Yes, I rented, I rented it. it. Yeah, yeah. I rented it from uh, the – so there was Blockbuster Video. I think I've told this story before. My, my house was situated kind of between two video stores, equidistant from, from my house. And we had the Blockbuster where I ended up working uh, once I turned 18 and the kind of Darrow knockoff uh, – uh, which is such an Australian term, Darrow. Um, don't bother googling it. Uh, they're they're kind of. I was gonna say. I was gonna replace that that slang with another slang, the POV version, <laughs> which I feel like is is more self-explanatory. Short for for uh, poverty. The the POVO <laughs> joint um, version of Blockbuster Video Busters was uh, just down the road. No, oh, and yeah, Video Busters a, we, was we had a, a video lot busters. cheaper. 
yeah, video buses so, in my well, not my local town, the town over from my local town because my town right, is so okay. small. Yeah, yeah. Well, one day uh, perusing video busters, I saw the Sin City uh, DVD cover and really, really grabbed me straight away. The the imagery, the the kind of almost monochromatic color scheme, uh, color palette, and the the big bright red Sin City uh, and and Frank Miller's Sin City. Uh, no less the the name just ha- has a ring to it where you go ooh this is like uh, this this sounds this has gravitas to it you know like I don't know this name but I know this name yeah yeah which of course we do know from uh, Dark Knight Returns we've we've already done yes I I totally forgotten that yeah we have we totally have and uh, I I fell in love with this movie man like off the bat I I, I remember this being. Uh, one of those movies that gave me a a visceral thrill, uh, ve- very similar to Hot Fuzz. Uh, that that scene with the 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 stone caving the guy's head in in Hot Fuzz, giving me that rush of like, oh my god, like like you, you're shaking in your seat. It's so exciting. Uh, this this gave me the same thing. Um, especially, I mean, Marv's whole story is just hit after hit after hit and then Dwight's story the uh the big fat kill the bit where he jumps down it's it's one shot i remember vividly he jumps like, down from the window when no 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 when he jumps down the uh the oh, the, sewer. the sewer and there's it's just that shot of him firing the two guns down yeah and it kind of like crash zooms on his face a bit and it's it's like whizzing by i don't know what it is about that shot but like i remember as a kid that giving me this this really visceral feeling. I think I think I'd just been so hyped up up to that point that that shot was just the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, and I was like, "Yeah, kill that Irish piece of shit." I'm Irish, so I can I can uh, I can get away with that. But uh, yeah, really really cool flick, and uh, it's one I've revisited fairly frequently. I, I certainly borrowed it, uh, rented it dozens and dozens more times uh, after after that initial viewing, and. But ended up watching it less and less frequently as I've as I've grown up. I think the last time I watched this would have been four or five years ago. I think the last time I watched this probably would have been 2016, 2017, uh, because I realised the second one had, had been out for a, a while and had come out on DVD and stuff, and I wanted to give that a go. And I was like, well, I'll watch the first one first, and I, I re-watched it, was really thrilled by it, and then the second one just... It felt like a weird retreading of of the same territory, but but nothing but bum notes. Like uh, didn't didn't reach the dizzying heights that this movie does for me. Uh, left me left me wanting, and and kind of left me going. Ah, I wish they hadn't. You know, I wish they just hadn't bothered with a sequel, especially a sequel nearly ten years later. Yeah, seems uh, seems a, a very bizarre choice. Yeah, I feel the the same way about the f- the second Sin City, or I think I feel the same way. Like it left such a little impression that I kind of don't really remember it too well, mm. which I think is damning enough considering how many times I've watched this first one. I didn't actually re-watch the first one before uh, seeing the second, mm. but like you, I, I, it was like a couple of years after it had come out and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, that was a thing. Yeah, I should yep. probably check that out. And so, yeah, I'd not watched this in, oh, I'd say more close to like nearly 10, like nine or 10 years. Wow. And, dude, I forgot how fucking cool this movie is. <laughs> yeah, Just like, dude. It, it's that, I don't know, it's something disassociated in my mind when people bring it up and go, Sin City, and you go, yep, damn good movie. But then mm. you, you, I'm just thinking of it as, yep, that's a really good movie. I'm not actually thinking of the individual, like, elements. And then you start watching it and you're like, yes, I forgot about yeah. this and this and yeah, this. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's all so good. Just, like, 
beat after beat, shot after shot. Absolutely. It's this this awesome. movie is 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 in my opinion, this movie is just hit after hit after hit. Yeah. In in every way. I mean, from from the start, that that first that little opening kind of um, vignette, the uh, the the customers always write. Uh, part one. It never used to do much for me when I was younger, but I, uh-huh. I really liked it this time because it it does it sort of sets up the real classic noir feel of it. But then mm. it sort of you think, oh, this is where this is going, and then it yeah. sort of shifts, and you go, oh, okay, this is like a darker, twisted version of a noir. Yes, yeah, totally. It's like oh, it's all romantic, and you're like, oh, he's like this hero, and then he shoots her. The silencer makes a whisper of the gunshot. I hold her close until she's gone. I'll never know what she was running from. I'll cash a check check in the morning. morning. It's just like, yes! (laughs) It establishes uh, the tone of the source material uh, off the bat so fucking well where it it is this kind of throwback uh, noir kind of storytelling, but with this kind of gritty, ultra-violent, twisted take. Mm. On the whole thing, it's it's uh, kind of fucked up and nasty and um, really fucked up, uh, and and with a kind of really dark gallows humor. Um, like I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't call it like a like a cheeky like twisted sense of humor. Like it is gallows. Yeah, it's it is. real dark. It's it's I think it's a good one to follow coming to America with because there's <laughs> shit in there that is humorous that you go that's funny but you're not fucking you're laughing, not laughing. <laughs> for the most part and I think it's also a really good one to follow up with uh, unintentionally I think it's a really good one to follow uh, Sweeney Todd with because it's another example of a really fucking good adaptation but where Sweeney Todd kind of takes the source material and makes it fit the medium of of you know cinema uh, better. I feel like this is almost a reverse thing. This feels like it takes film and goes, uh, makes it fit the source material. Yeah. It's like, how can we make this look like a moving graphic novel as much as yes, possible? Yes, exactly. It's exactly. Awesome. And it does that from beat one. Uh, the customer's always right starts and it's it's there. It's these iconic, it feels like panels of a comic book rather than, you know, shots in a film. And funnily enough, that segment was shot as like a test kind of a proof of concept uh, to yeah. sell Frank Miller on the idea. Uh, in interviews, Frank Miller is like, dude, uh, like, I had a good thing going making comic books. I didn't need, like, I didn't <laughs> need to make a movie. Or I didn't need to get involved in the movie making biz. I had no interest in it, and I and I didn't really want to, you know, hand my my baby off to someone else. But this this Rodriguez guy kept fucking hounding me. Uh, eventually, you know, got a hold of me, and he'd done some kind of test shot stuff, and it looked really good. Uh, so he said, come to come come down for a day and we'll do like a test shoot we'll, we'll shoot a scene and and you know if you, if you like it we can make this thing happen if you don't like it we've got a cool little short film miller's initial thoughts were like come on i've i've been on like i've been i've been on film sets before i know what happens in a day in a day literally there's a fantastic interview uh with him uh on youtube where he's like i know what happens in a day in a day you shoot someone pouring a cup of coffee like that's it <laughs> Not with Rodriguez, baby. Not with Rodriguez, baby. He got there and he had Josh Hartnett in in the in the role. He had like actual, you know, well-known uh, actors in this in this test, this proof of concept kind of thing. Uh, and they shot that opening vignette, and that is what is in the film, which is Robert Rodriguez. So impressive. I think of him as a filmmaker. Um, what's that guy's name in uh, Mary Poppins? Dick Van Dyke. With his yep. like instrument thing on, <laughs> that's what I think of Rod- Robert Rodriguez. He's he's scoring the movie, he's shooting the movie, yeah, he's directing yeah, it, he's writing, <sighs> he's producing it, he's editing it's so it as well. Fucking tough, but that he just he puts 
shot and cut by Robert Rodriguez. Shot and cut, that is fucking gutsy, That's the thing. Dude. It's not like a, he doesn't do it in a way that's like, a, oh, I'm this, like, movie auteur. He's just, like, yeah. like, really fucking, like, down and dirty. Let's shoot this, like, hard and fast, really yes. efficient. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's really it's really exciting. And, and seeing interviews of him talking about this process and uh, seeing him and Frank talking about this movie together... It's clear that that excitement uh, is infectious, and mm. that you know Frank Miller was sold on on that. And Rodriguez talks about in in the lead up to this that uh, in the late nineties, an idea for a Sin City adaptation was kind of thrown around. But he was like, that, "That's going to be shit because it's just going to be another movie. They're going to try and do it like a movie, and that's not. It's going to be forgettable. It's going to be garbage." Which I think is right. The the his approach of going, "I'm not making ro- like Robert Rodriguez's Sin City. I am." making Frank Miller's Sin City into a motion picture yeah. is is the way to go about it. And, it. and I think his dedication to getting it done, regardless of where his name kind of sits in the credits or the particulars of that sort of thing, uh, shows in behind-the-scenes stuff or in the, 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 the production of this movie. When it comes to the credits, uh, three directors received credit for Sin City, uh, Miller and Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, who directed... One segment special of special guest scene. Yeah, one one segment of it. The the scene in the um the big fat kill where Dwight is talking to Jackie in the car. Yeah. Um, talking to Jackie's corpse, and he he got Quentin in to do that, but like just because they're mates. <laughs> well, he wanted no, he wanted Quentin to come in and do that. Uh, to give him a taste of shooting, you know, digital and shooting on a uh, yeah. uh, like old green screen and stuff, and being like, look how fun this can be. Yeah. Like. Because Doesn't all have to be fucking, you know, the opposite. Uh, anamorphic lenses and, and film. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing with Rodriguez. That's what I think of when you've got like George Lucas shooting episode two and three entirely on digital and it looking like hot trash mm. and them going, oh, we don't need to do any sets or anything. We'll just shoot everything on green screen and everything looks terrible. The composition looks bad. Everything mm. looks like it's suffering because of that, because it's like cutting corners and going, yes. let's do it in post. Rodriguez looked at digital and he's like oh you mean i can just like shoot and i'm not going to run out of reel oh i can like watch it back straight away and make sure that like mm. the lighting was right and the the composition was right this is cool yeah i'm gonna run yeah, with it seems this. like and he's so using it, it for all its benefits he 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 looks at something like frank miller's sin city and goes hey i could do some really fucking cool visual effects in the mm. way that those characters are portrayed like elijah wood's character that anime trope of like the character with glasses <laughs> yeah like, it's just like a pure reflection it's entirely yep. white and they went let's do that with with like with green screens we can do that um or mm. uh marv's bandages all over his face when he gets cut up yes. by the glass so yeah. you can have this like really richly lit scene but every single one of those little strips of tape is pure white and it doesn't get affected by the lighting of the rest of the scene. It's mm. so cool like that. Um, and yeah. I can just yeah imagine watching him from like behind the scenes and stuff, just him coming up with those ideas, like the, the gears twisting in his head going, oh, we could do this and this and yeah, this. Yeah, totally. And it, it feels like he, uh, like Miller and Rodriguez worked as a team directing the film. It feels like he, he again went, no, no, this is Frank Miller's Sin City. We get fucking Frank Miller involved in this. Yep. Um, and, and to the point where uh, the Directors Guild of America refused to allow two directors that were not an established team to be credited. Credited, Excuse me. I believe it was, was it that he, that uh, Rodriguez was part of the Directors Guild and Frank Miller wasn't part of the Directors Guild? So well, it was, a, it was uh, like a union Miller had, thing? Miller had never directed before. Yeah. Um, so Rodriguez p- planned to just give Miller the full credit. Uh, but Miller was like, no, no, can't do that. <laughs> So and Rodriguez refused to take full credit for it as well. So they decided he decided to resign from the guild so yeah. that joint credit could remain. That's fucking sick, dude. Yeah, that's real cool. 
That's such a solid like bro move. <laughs> and I think that that passion and that just not at all feeling like an ego project or anything. Yeah, uh, nothing at all. Makes for such a, a rich and uh, genuinely enjoyable viewing experience. Like the yeah. the passion is, is is so you know on show on in this movie. Uh, I've got the first uh, Sin City book, which is the Hard Goodbye, which was initially put out as part of a, a Dark Horse, uh, I think like an anniversary thing or, or some mm-hmm. kind of Dark Horse special comic in like five parts, uh, and then was collected into a, a, a trade paperback and dubbed Sin City. You know, Frank Miller's Sin City, the Hard Goodbye as a subtitle, but like you can flick to to any any page of this and the the shot is is replicated in beautifully in in the movie it's it's uncanny it's uh such such a feat um the fact that they managed to get the the harsh lighting and the kind of angular line work of of Frank Miller um and the the inky uh black and white look and and that gritty feel to translate so well to this medium it's incredible, and being able to do that, those things like on top of each other in layers. Like you've got the the really gritty and very dark dramatic lighting of your classic noir, mm. but then you've also got the the like the green screen element behind it. They don't have to worry about like how that's lighting the set. They can just worry about lighting the actors, and then they yes. can because it's green screened. They can cut to those stunning. Uh, negative silhouettes where they're mm. all white. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. It's just like every single. It's every single shot is just this artistic feast that it never gets boring, never gets tired. Yeah, it's just like it's it's l- like literally true to the w- those words of like every frame of painting. It's like every single shot in this is a work of art. Mm. There was there's no like lazy rushed things. Mm. All and of they it really looks so cool. They ring the most out of the medium too, because those shots—they're um, not just a, a static image. There's movement. There's dramatic lighting cues and stuff. Like when uh, when Dwight is uh, drowning Jackie in the toilet, uh, and it's got the shot kind of looking up at him. They do that thing where, like, you know, if it was a still image in the in the comic book, it'd be uh, that frame with like a really harsh light and him kind of silhouetted, you know, with maybe just an eye showing or something. In the movie, they go from that shot, the light becomes harsher and harsher and harsher behind him until it kind of forms that image mm. and then backs off as the as the as the music is kind of swelling back and and uh, Dwight begins to ease off and it manages to carry uh more of a it manages to um communicate so much more than than just a still image would yeah you know or or that even even that that shot framed and, and composed and and lit that way it just wouldn't be as effective if it didn't have the music heightening it and mm. The uh, the lighting cues changing as that shot you know uh, g- goes on. It's really cool. It's just it's it's absolutely ringing the most out of uh, the medium of film and making the most of digital and green screen and stuff. Like we talked about um, with Sweeney Todd, the the kind of green screen stuff in motion not really looking great and not kind of aging very well. I feel mm. like all of the CG in this movie ha- looks fantastic. It holds up amazingly well. They're all they're all amazing. It's like there's not been many films at this point that were shot entirely on green screen and they just nail it so well in this that none of the shots look bad. Mm. It's uh it's all of a, it's all a heightened look to it, so it doesn't matter the the separation of 
the characters to their backgrounds mm. is is a positive. So it's not this trying to replicate uh, photorealistic situations where mm. you can kind of tell like, oh, that person doesn't look like they were really in the scene there. It's like, no, all of the backdrops are these cartoonish looking, like all the cars are this real, really CG, but mm. they look great. They don't clash with the feel of the movie. Marv getting uh, when he thinks he's seeing Goldie and she's running him over with the car and he's like flipping in yeah, the air and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so far from reality, but it looks great. It never yeah. once looks like strange or takes you out of the moment. It, ca- yeah. it continues to look really artistic and purposeful, even though it's completely unrealistic. Yeah, and I feel like it establishes with like the level of gore and and you know he's jumping through windows and doors and all that shit, it kind of establishes this larger-than-life, like, comic book kind of unrealism to, like, the the the, the physics of of this world and how this world operates. Um, so when that stuff happens, it's just, it's not, like, laughable. You don't go, oh, Vey, you go, like, yes, Marv! Like, it's, it's exciting and exhilarating. Yeah, something I was thinking through this watch-through is that it takes the noir tropes i want to i want to coin a new phrase i want to call this movie hyper noir hyper noir oh that's what i'm calling my fucking debut synthwave ep (laughs) dude hyper noir that's so tough it's taking so much of that traditional noir and it's not really changing much of it it's like it's as corny as all get out like every single trope is there yeah. It's played so dramatic and so seriously that it kind of elevates it past just uh oh they're just doing the oh look Venetian blinds and the yeah. the highlight around the eye and stuff. Yeah. And at the same time it's uh Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino are so po- popular and famous for their exploitation films. It's mm. an exploitation genre as well, but mm. normally in that genre the the hyper action and violence it is to be taken less serious, where in this they nail that so hard and the noir so hard, those things blend, like they match so well together that it mm. becomes this like, I'd say it's like one of the most like artistic and like I can't think of another exploitation film where you're like the level of artistic integrity here is never compromised by the the gore or the, the jokes that they're going yeah. for. Yeah. Even in any of like Tarantino's best, Pulp Fiction is still really pulpy and it's funny and it's it isn't to be taken seriously. This, I th- yeah, the the noir elements mix so perfectly. Just at no time am I like, oh, this is just this dumb silly thing. It's like no, it's always like, yeah, it's really over the top, but they're fucking nailing it. The yeah. no, like the the noir narration uh, from all of the characters. Like, it's not just one of the stories that features a, a narration. All mm. four of those protagonists in those stories have a similar narration, and the only thing that separates it is the character's, like, internal monologue mm. is a little bit different, so their thought process is different. But mm. they're all super... Uh, they're getting real asmr up into the microphone, like, super oh, gravelly. Especially Mickey Rourke, dude. Yeah, r- real Mickey Rourke. He's, he's got rocks it. in his mouth. I take my mind off her and then crawl back inside myself. It's almost killing time and I better get sharp. Oh, my God. For, through the whole two-hour runtime, you never get bored of it or sick of it. 
Oh, I, I absolutely relish every every line of dialogue. Such colourful descriptors of all of that, all of that stuff. Absolutely, especially the um, especially the Marv character. Like, I think his story is my favourite. I really, the Big Fat Killer is excellent as well, but the Marv story is uh, such a, a, a strong kind of uh, foot to to start on in terms of like a, a full story that they tell. The the first two being quite short and. Uh, you know, yeah, being part I think it ones. is. I think it's probably because Marv is uh, like based on the actions that he's done and what we hear of his actions in the past. Mm. He's probably the most fucked up, bad person of all the protagonists, mm. but he's probably the most empathetic. So it gives this really broad range of yeah. of emotions that yeah. you're feeling yeah. throughout that. Yeah, one. he's doing hideous shit, but it's motivated by a very like basic kind of primal. Uh, human uh, desire, you know, for for to be treated with kindness, yeah. which is is really again, it's fucked up, but it's also really sweet. And I love I love that kind of character. Exactly, yeah. And without it being this like, it's not an arc where he's like, oh, I'm trying to redeem myself and I'm trying to be better. He's like, no, I'm going to fucking torture you and I'm going to enjoy the torturing part. But I'm yeah. doing it for this really noble cause of yeah, or or at least a very uh, understandable like uh, yeah. I think they establish him well as like being a dude who who like doesn't really have much go- much else going on. Like mm. he says as much to his his parole officer uh, Lucille, is it? She's like, you know, you, you can't go through with this. Like, you know, prison was hell for you. It'll be life this time. And he's like, you know, hell is waking up every day, not knowing. Why the fuck are you here? Yeah. I know now. Like I've got a, I've got a purpose. There ain't no squaring it. Not this time. This isn't some barroom brawl or some creep with a gas can trying to torch someone. Oh, hey, hey, this is big. This is blood for blood and part of gallons. This is the old days and the bad days, the all or nothing days. They're back. There's no choices left, and I'm ready for. That whole oh, fucking that whole is wonderful. Is so good. Oh, oh my god. The all or nothing days. It's so yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, it's like the the narration, I think so often a narration in a film is seen as a, a weakness or a a lack of like being a able. Yeah. That mm. they've it's been put in because you're not able to uh articulate the story in a way that people can understand it without that. Or it's um it's a means of telling and not showing where this is like no tell tell keep telling me more yeah yeah keep telling me you're telling really so nice. good <laughs> you're showing some really cool imagery uh, yep. but I like the telling as well it's well doing it's the both. it's the yeah yeah it's the combination of the two like we get shown some really cool stuff we get shown his his actions and stuff but hearing his like thought process on all this uh, is is consistently fascinating the bit where he uh, shoots the 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 preacher or the um the priest. In the in the booth, the confession booth, uh, where the guy's like, you know, ask yourself, is 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 that whore, you know, whore worth dying for or whatever? And he just fucking shoot. He he, he doesn't say it to the uh, the the preacher, but we hear it. He just fucking shoots the the priest. Cameo played by Frank Miller. Ah, oh, cool. I didn't actually recognize that. That's so cool. Yeah. And then the, his voiceover is, you know, uh, worth dying, uh, worth dying for, worth killing for, worth going to hell for. So fucking tough, dude. Yeah. I love um the, the 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 next bit after that as well where in his narration he's going like oh all to like you know revenge a whore and he's like oh the more and more I hear it the more and more I like the sound of it that he's like yeah, yeah I'm I'm in this <laughs> yeah, There's no backing yeah it's, down. it's 
are really it uh it revels in it's it's the best kind of revenge flick you know it, that, that 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 short story you really do revel in all of it and then of course he you know he can't he has to die at the end of it like it all kind of makes sense it's a really neat package yeah really really neat all of the stories are they're they're placed so perfectly together and they share just enough of like a, a mix where they'll they'll cross paths at points and it's yes. not too much but uh like is it Brittany Murphy is that the actress yes yeah yeah Brittany Murphy's character Brittany Murphy's yeah. uh, Shelley character we see her in like all three of the main ones yeah. Yeah, certain locations kind of tie them together. Yeah, or even we see... Um, yeah, we see Dwight in, in Marv's story. And we even get a little bit of his narration, like just kick in for a little scene where he has this feel about like, oh... Most people think Marv is crazy. He just had the rotten luck of being born in the wrong century. He'd be right at home on some ancient battlefield swinging an axe into somebody's face. Yeah, He's just born yeah, at the yeah. wrong time. Uh-huh. And then also the way that... The yellow bastard is cut into halves. We think that Hardigan's dead. That's sort of over, and you're like, oh, he's like the one good cop in Sin City. Like he's the only character that's like, no, he's like a he's actually a good person as well. Mm. All of these other dudes are like anti-heroes and they've done bad shit or they're murderers, yeah. but we still like them because they still have some sort of like moral principles that they're that mm. they're following. But there it's the the cliched like, yep, okay, he's the one good cop, last day on the job, before retirement, all of that stuff. So Nancy is in the other stories, but we're used to seeing Nancy as a little girl. And then when we get mm. to the second half of The Yellow Bastard, eight years later, we realise that Jessica Alba's character is the skinny little Nancy Callahan girl that got yeah, rescued. Yeah. And it's like, yep. oh, it's so awesome. The way that um all of that's paced just like yeah for like awesome little reveals of stuff mm. which brings me to a little little side note are you aware of a different edit of this film i was reading about this i've only ever seen the one i've only ever seen the the edit that we're talking I've about i've only now, seen presumably. the theatrical cut but i looked yeah, it up i haven't up seen and like the deluxe like dvd extended, edition or uncut recut or whatever they call it yep uh so i i gave it a look it doesn't have the intercutting bookending stories. It's just one story after another ah. with title cards at the beginning and a full credits for at the end of each part. And oh my I God. think it's terrible. It totally oh, wow. ruins the whole Hardigan story of thinking that he's dead, but then realizing yeah. that he's alive and then getting that context of the fact that Jessica Alba is He's Nancy from yeah. his story as well. All of that, yeah. like, surprise and twist is lost because it's played can, back to back. Yeah, I can totally imagine and that being the case. And then they just chuck the customer is always right dead in the middle of the movie and those two parts are so short together it's like four minutes and then you're like, what was that yeah. thing? Yeah. But it yeah. works so well as little little bookends of the fact that when he goes to light the cigarette, like, it's such a striking image that she's just in the red dress and everything else is black and white. And then when he goes mm. to light the cigarette, the light from the cigarette illuminates the colour of her eyes that's green. Yeah. Uh, but then we get the other character who has, um, I forget the actress's name, from Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it couldn't be further from a Gilmore girl in this. <laughs> yeah, that prostitute has these blue eyes mm. the whole time. That's this. They're always these like bright blue eyes. It's this really cool use of colour. And then she's a fucking rat. Rat's out. Mm. Old Town, so the mob can mm. come back in. She barely escapes. And you're like, oh, why is this douchebag escaping? Why does she get to live? And yep. then she gets met in the elevator and it's like, oh, 
these these yeah, bright blue kind eyes, of, and he's like, we know that he's gonna like she's gonna be his next vi- victim. Yeah, sh- that's like the 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 payoff. It's a uh, really neat little little bookend, uh, and it's it's that loose end getting tied up. Like where that occurs in the theatrical cut, in the cut that we're getting so hype about. Yeah, it's important. It matters. Yeah, it's it's such a good way to cut to credits and just like know what mm. what's next, and it's just a perfect little wrap up. Like we've been saying, bookends. Mm. Like they literally bookend it, and they're just like, "Nah, let's just put them together." And it's like, "What?" No, nah, that's that's ridiculous. So yeah, I wasn't going to sit down and watch that version. Ridiculous. I don't care how much uncut or extended stuff there is in there. It's just, it's just, yeah, significantly worse. Yeah. Look, I don't need any more of this movie. This movie is, uh, in, in my opinion, is is airtight. Mm. Um, something I really like too about each uh, each story and each. Uh, each in a monologue, each narration, each one does have that kind of ASMR, like you know, in in your they're in your ears, yeah, um, the whole time. But because they're different characters, they uh, react to things kind of differently. We get a little bit of an insight into their like little idiosyncrasies and stuff, yeah, uh, like the way that 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 uh, Marv talks is is kind of a bit more old timey and a little bit. He feels kind of salt of the earthy. He's a little bit uh, mm. like. You know, he don't know much, but he knows how to fight that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, like when he's when he's listing like the the equipment that he needs to to make this thing happen when he goes back to the farm to to kill Elijah and Wood. And my mitts. And my mitts. <laughs> like it's, it, that that old timey kind of talk really fucking does something for me. Yeah. Um. And compared to to Dwight being a, a little more kind of serious and um uh, sounding per, perhaps a little a little more educated, you know. And Hardigan being the classic, like, detective. Like hard-boiled detective, yeah. How the hell did they find her? Then it hits me. They were bluffing. I've led them straight to her. Classic, yeah. classic detective I think Marv's, stuff. Marv's uh, thing with, like, how he keeps saying, like, you know, i got a condition and, and all that stuff, and I didn't take my medicine and shit like that makes his narration that more, much more interesting as well because you kind of, yeah. you can hear him struggling with the fact that he knows he he might not be right in the head and that he could be imagining all this. And then you can, and you've been along for the ride up until that point. So even entertaining the idea that none of this is happening or that, you know, he's wrong is like, no, 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 no! You're doing really good, man. Like, good stuff, dude. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got that un- unreliable narrator quality to his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even just like when how we see it that it's like Goldie and her sister. They're played by the same actress, but when it's Goldie, she's mm. glowing. She's literally in color. Yeah. And then you get this sort of thing. Where it's like the opposite of what it would be in a classic noir film. The 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 silhouette would be in the shadows, and you'd think it was mm. someone, and then they'd step out of the shadows, and you'd be like, oh, it's just you. Where in this is the mm. opposite. She's glowing and in color, and as she walks a bit further forward, she goes into black and white, and he goes, oh, right, sorry, no, nah, I, I got confused again. It's a really, really cool sequence. It's it's re- very sweet uh, and a really nice end to, to his story. You kind of go, oh, you got, you know, you got something. In yeah. the end, like he got his revenge, but he also got some uh, like another another taste of that kindness. Yeah. You know, it's really really nice and a half decent steak, half decent steak, and he gets to call him pansies while he's getting electrocuted. It's fucking tough. It's so it's he so spits tough. That disgusting yeah. blood out, and he's yeah. like, yeah, it's real pansies. thick, and he's just like, oh, that's the best you can do. And you're like, he's he survived the electric chair, and yeah. they're just like, oh, yeah. shock him even more. <laughs> so <laughs> until he actually tough. stops wisecracking. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, it feels like every character, if you look at their uh, comic book counterparts, uh, is really well realized visually. Like Marv, especially, especially I think Marv's, is, is, um, the, is the best. Flat forehead nose. 
uh, his whole thing that he's got yeah, going yeah, with the that, makeup. Magnon brow, dude. That whole <laughs> his whole face, the bandages, everything about the Marv uh, character in in this movie is is perfect. Yeah, and it looks so gnarly when um. Elijah Wood's character like scratches him across the face because it's yeah. a big thick prosthetic. There's these big yeah. chunks that come off of it and they've got yeah, these really yeah. deep cuts. I would say too, on that note, uh, Elijah Wood's performance as Kevin is pitch perfect. Yeah, Chilling. I awesome. remember I, I remember I still kind of feel it somewhere like in, in my in my core, I still feel it. The absolutely the first time I watched this movie and and subsequent viewings had the same uh impact. The bit where He's down in the in, in Kevin's farm and he he wakes up and uh, Lucille's there and she's saying you know he he Made he, me watch. he keeps the heads he eats the rest and he's doing that whole thing and you're like what the fuck's going on and then she's like you know the son of a bitch he made me uh, watch him suck the the meat from my fingers oh. and you're like wait what and then she you see she, she's got a stump hand and it's like sewed back up and she's like you made me watch and it like cuts to the shot outside and. Kevin's just standing there with those those like white glasses, yeah. Uh, and then it just cuts to like a close up of his face, his eyes looking utterly chilling. I, I still remember really, really, literally chills to my fucking core during that sequence, and I still still get that that little feeling of dread in the pit of my stomach. It feels like that 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 sense that that Marv talks about as he's like approaching the farm. He's like, I get that that cold mm. feeling in the pit of my stomach. You know. Bad things have happened here. People have died the wrong way and stuff like that. Yeah, really fucking good, dude. And then also in in that one we get the uh, the priest, not the well, not the priest, the um uh, 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 Cardinal Cardinal the, Rourke. Yeah, 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 Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer from Salute of the Jugger. Yes. Oh my god, this is our second <laughs> Rutger Hauer movie. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic in this as, role as too. As always, just so good. I think everyone in this movie kills it. Um, the only person who uh, I think starts off a little bit wooden is um, uh, is it is it Bob Michael Madsen? Yeah, Michael Madsen's character Bob. Um, it is a his little dialogue, bit. It feels a little bit strange at first. His his interactions between him and uh, Bruce Willis uh, in their first scene together. Uh, it sounds like it almost sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit. Damn it, Hardigan! I won't let you do this. You're gonna get yourself killed. You're gonna get us both killed. I won't let you. I warn you. You're dragging me down with you. I'm your partner. They can kill me too. Yeah, it sounds like he's almost not giving a shit in the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds because it's so cliched. He's like, I'm just gonna not give a shit, or I'm yeah, gonna yeah. play it like I'm not giving a shit for some kind of reason. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Which is, is the only thing that kind of stood out to me watching it this time, because um, I think the uh, the customers are always right. Uh, Josh Hartnett's performance and, and voiceover and stuff is so solid in that and then the, the opening yeah, credit is. sequence is great uh and then we get to bruce willis and he's he's really good in this role oh, so good and then yeah michael madsen comes in and i'm like oh michael you're letting the team down and Come then on, and then we're, back to, then we're back to then we're back to firing on all all cylinders and then the next sequence where he betrays uh hardigan and is you know talking to nancy being like you know he's a crazy man and stuff like that that's that, I'm buying that a lot, a, a lot more. Yeah. Um. And then again, we're off with Marv and and uh, Dwight, and it's all fucking golden. I love that bit with Bruce Willis where he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull, pull my other like out of my like, my ankle holster and pop you a couple." And he's like, "Just don't do <laughs> it." He's like, "You're too fast. <laughs> you're, yeah. You'll never catch yeah. me." And he's like, "He's got so many fucking bullet holes in him." <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, dude, like with his heart nearly exploding in his chest. He's like moving yeah. for it so slowly. Oh my god, I love uh, too that um, there's something so satisfying about. I mean, they they really the villains in this movie 
uh, even though the our heroes are quite you know flawed and they're they're anti heroes, they're uh, murderers and 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 whatnot. The villains are that much more cartoonishly horrid that uh, in the case of um, Rourke Junior. Uh, getting his dick shot off, and then later in the film, literally having his fucking like being castrated by hand yeah. is so satisfying. And he's like, I take away his weapons, both of them, and you're just like, fuck you, you yellow rapist. Cunt. Yeah, it's like no wonder we like Dwight and Marv when, by comparison, their actions they do look like good guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even yeah, though they're yeah, terrible yeah, totally. people, it's like no, no, no. These people they're up against, they're the most fucked up, sick, disgusting people in all of existence. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. so uh, they bad. set up. They set up Sin City as being this this world that is so fucking corrupt that the heroes are themselves, you know, monsters to some degree. I love the um the mirroring of all of the dialogue in Hardigan scenes. Yes. So very neat. The the heart giving him trouble and yeah, like, oh look at you, you can't even lift that cannon and then Sure I can. He he goes, Sure I can, and then the second time he actually can't, and you're like, Oh yeah. shit. Yeah, and you're like, um, but then Ooh. it's like, yeah, and he takes away his weapons, both of them, and then we get that final: uh, an old man dies, a young girl lives. Fair trade. Yeah. It's yeah. Just like, oh, it's so it's so perfectly like all wrapped up and yeah, yeah. Has a I mean, it, it, it's um, it's so violent and and so hyper. Uh, I, I mean, hyper noir. I feel like is the is such a great term for it. Um, but it's it's all so cranked up to eleven that it feels strange using this term to describe it. But I, it, it does have a sense of poetry to it, and it's really fucking nice. Yeah, exactly. I feel like too we've we've talked about the the serious kind of aspects and all how well that this movie nails that. But um, talking about the the kind of gallows humor that we brought up earlier, mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of that and and uh, some stuff that is genuinely laugh out loud funny if you allow yourself. To, to laugh out loud at it, um, specifically or particularly with uh, little little bit characters like hitmen and stuff. Yeah. Like little little goofy little things that remind me a lot of um, the the sense of humour or the sense of, of absurdity in, in uh, Dark Knight uh, Rises. Is it Dark Knight? No, sorry, Dark Knight Returns. Like with uh, the two gangsters who are, you know, constantly we keep seeing and they work for... Uh, I've forgotten the character's name, but the the woman with the swastika titties and stuff. Yeah. Um. In this, that that absurd shit is is back. There's uh, uh, swastika forward man. There's swastika forward man. And he gets the uh, arrow through schlub his chest. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's like the two dudes, schlub and something else. Uh, I can't remember the two characters' names. Uh, and the way exactly. that he talks. Um. I think so... it's like Bob and Schutz or something like that. And and the he describes them as like you know hitmen or or whatever with uh delusions of eloquence yeah and their shtick is they they they're really verbose and like they're discussing a car and they're like what i'm telling you is that this here within and like yeah and then later on where he's like uh interrogating him i can only express puzzlement that board is on alarm Rourke takes the girls or i'll cut your damn head off in plain english creep i answer do you seek his rural even agrarian the farm Really nice, and uh, yeah, the bald guy with the arrow through him and stuff. When they're watching the uh, watching Michael Clark Duncan's character, which is so twisted and weird and yeah. cool, he's so cool in this role with the golden eye and stuff. Uh, like, you don't know what he's doing, like molding 
It's, uh, it's, it's just Rosario like, Dawson's head or something. Yeah, it's just like he's just really like putting a lot of pressure on there and yeah, twisting. Yeah, and yeah. It's like he knows exactly where to to push to inflict you know most discomfort. It's it's such a weird weird uh, character, but he, he plays it so well. But during that scene where I, I think it's uh, yeah, the Becky character talking to Gail and, and being like you know oh they were, they were gonna kill my mom and da 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 and the two the two hitmen are standing on the side and one of them is like breaks your heart <laughs> like yeah. weird little shit like that uh yeah. is really really funny yeah and um i think it saves the movie from being uh overly uh, like overly brooding or or mm. taking itself far too seriously it's uh, again to to take this movie too seriously would be to miss miss the point as much as dismissing this movie as just schlock uh, would yeah. be to miss the point. I think it, it walks the, a very fine line between those two statement sentiments and does so masterfully. Oh, absolutely masterfully. Um, and Benicio Del Toro, um, that scene you were talking about directed by Tarantino, that is, is very humorous when it's yes. like, you're dead, shut up. And he's got a slit throat. And so when he his head leans back, the voice kind of goes really high. You know it's true. Nobody ever really quits. Smokers, smoker. When the chips are down. Yeah, when he rolls yeah. his head back and then it goes deep again. Benicio del Toro's uh, performance in this is is fantastic. He's so slimy and disgusting. Oh my god, um, the slimiest. And then to find out that he is like a, a like a decorated like hero cop is yeah. like again establishing this Sin City is just. Uh, a, a perverse butthole of a of a city. <laughs> I never noticed. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. It's not really. It's it's pretty gross. Um, yeah. When Dwight is drowning him in the toilet because he's like, oh, the the other mistake you made was that you didn't flush. Um, <laughs> yes. When he when he pu- when he pulls himself out and he like throws up the water, it's yeah. yellow. Yes. I didn't notice. Oh, so that disgusting. It's, it's really subtle that it just kind of like. I think maybe on DVD it just looked like it was black and white, but on the crisp Blu-ray it was like, oh god, that's now nah, that's some urine he's he's yeah. chucking up. Yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> the same with when Marv's just like picked the dude up upside down and dunking his head in the toilet. Dunks him in the toilet. I swear to God, he pulls him out and there are some turds yeah, in there. Yeah, there's turds there's in the toilet yeah, as well. It's, it's not- so gross. In sin- the Sin City, the city that never flushes. Oh god. Yeah, it, it's it's. Wonderful. I feel as though the big fat kill, the the story with Jackie and and Dwight and uh, uh, Gail and and the the girls of Old Town and stuff, is probably the the most most fun. Mm. Uh, it's it's kind of the silliest. Like Dwight's character has these big red sneakers on the whole time and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 like the the red converse. Yeah, yeah. And the stuff with like deadly little Miho. She's got like a schwarzstika what shuriken yeah, or, or yeah. something. Yeah, she's really cool and she's got her katanas and she's like just slicing heads off and wrists oh. off and it's really good that we get to see like those characters a few times. Uh, like you really get a sense of like there's a lot of world building of getting to know the city so well mm. um, and getting to know Old Town so well and the way that it's like, oh, they're like they, they all protect themselves with guns and so the mob isn't in and the whole truce mm. stuff. It's really interesting and it really like draws yeah. you in. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's cool. We've talked about, um, I feel like we've certainly talked about this on the podcast in at some point, uh, but we've definitely talked about it off mic as well. But to, to kind of reiterate the... Uh, the stuff we've talked about with like with world building, like these these creators that have these 
like worlds within their heads that they're able to you know communicate in in the in a, a thoroughly entertaining way it's cool that uh you know frank miller has this this vision of this city as well as a a vision of of gotham and uh you know the that that universe yeah and and manages to communicate them both in kind of distinctive and but but very much them ways you know and i like all the all the kind of nods to a wider world uh, like this isn't a self-contained thing. This is a city that exists within perhaps some bizarro, you know, universe uh, uh, version of of our world, where like uh, the mercenaries that are hired by the mob boss to try and uh, you know stop Dwight from taking the bodies to the tar pit are like ex IRA mercenaries and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're talking about like you know blowing up churches and pubs and all that shit. It, it, it's cool. These allusions to like a wider world. You know that's that's potentially just as dark and twisted as as Sin City is, uh, is is really cool. I wonder if that the rest of that world would be in black and white though, or is it just when you <laughs> yeah, go if to it's Sin just Sin City. City. Yeah, you go oh. and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, I guess, I guess my car is the most important uh, character trait about me because it's still in color. <laughs> and yeah. Everything else is in black and white. Yeah, on the whole, I, I think this movie holds up wonderfully as a as a piece of entertainment um, and as a, as a piece of art. Uh, I feel as though visually, in in every way, it, it holds up. It hasn't aged poorly. I don't think. Yeah, what do you think? Not at all. It's 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 bloody near perfect. Just every everything about it is so cool. The, like the choice of how they use color as well never gets boring. The template seems to be okay. So there'll be like one object in a scene that's in color for some reason, but it never mm. just gets like predictable or boring. Hardigan goes into the bar and sees Nancy and almost everything goes into colour for a little bit mm. until it, like, sinks away back into black and white. It's so, so creative. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just really weird that they didn't, like, capitalise on it when it was so popular at the time. Because I remember, like, hearing the reception being so good and Frank Miller saying that he was, um like, a lot of the characters will, like, appear multiple times in stories where... Uh-huh. Uh, Hardigan was like that was his one story in Sin City and he dies at the end. Mm. Uh, but he actually said he would be willing to write new content for Hardigan specifically if they were going to do a sequel to the film because he liked it so much. Yeah, and, I mean, the characters, uh, I mean, Dwight, when we meet him, he alludes to, you know, being uh, an ex-killer with a new face and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the the story that the bulk of the second movie, A Dame to Kill For, is based on, which is uh, the titular story, A Dame to Kill For, features... Josh Brolin uh, as Dwight. Yeah, Josh Brolin as Dwight. With uh, his old face. The, with his old face, exactly. Yeah, and um, so it's like... So it's, there's, like, so much they could have done with it. And they just spent acted. so long. Yeah. It was just, like, strike while the iron's hot. Like, nobody gave a shit yeah, about by the time City it came by out. the time it came out. Uh, dude, I, I adore this movie as a, like, weapons-grade solid piece of, of entertainment. It manages to revel in its schlockiness but also deliver on a technical and creative front again and again and again to the point where I think anybody dismissing this movie is is missing the point or doing so, like, willfully uh, turning a blind eye to genuinely good shit here. You know, like, it, this movie is demonstrably good. It's, it's Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it's it's unapologetic and and un, uncompromising and uh, just fucking buttloads of fun. I I could go back and, and rewatch this over and over again. And I think it's I think it's one that I'll chuck on kind of in the background a bit more. I think I'd like to add this back to my regular rotation of of flicks. 
Yeah, because I'm the same because I watched it so many times. But then to think like, oh, it's been like nearly 10 years and I haven't watched it. But I remember like watching it like a dozen. So, mm. yeah, it's just it's just slipped away. And it's just one of those ones where it's just like, oh, I forgot about that for a little while. But God damn, is it not for any good reason because it's fucking flawless. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us, the best thing you can do for us at this point is share the podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing is also incredibly helpful. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode or any episode. In fact, you can tweet us at Rose Tint Review or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Rose Tinted Review and uh, tell us. I want to know what is your favorite in a monologue narration line from this movie. I got to go. I got to go, Marv. The line um, where he's talking about and he repeats it later on. He's talking about what he's going to do to the person responsible for killing Goldie. Uh, and later on, he, he repeats it after killing Cardinal Rourke. And he says, uh, when his eyes go dead, the hell I send him to will seem like heaven after what I've done to him. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking gnarly. To the point that, and, and I'm not the only one person who thinks that's tough and, and metal is all shit. Uh, there's a band called Upon a Burning Body that their f- second album is... All, all the songs are inspired by Robert Rodriguez films. And the <laughs> second track on the album is called Sin City. And that is a, it's full of quotes from this movie and from this comic. And that's one of the lines. And it is so that's tough, sick. dude. Nice. Yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to hear other people's. What's, what's one that sticks out to you? I, I can't remember. I'm trying to place one. And it's just like, there's just too many good ones. I don't know. I got a soft spot for the Hardigan stuff when um, it's just that like piano playing. Mm. When he gets shot and he's like, I finally sit down like he told me to. And he can hear the sirens, and he's like, "Sirens are coming. She'll be safe." Yeah, yeah. And he's just like that. That, that fair feels trade. very yeah. That that feels very much like the the Batman kind of narration in in Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good death, so, all that stuff. Yes, yeah. Awesome. Uh, next episode. How do you how do you want to follow this one up? I keep. I've got so many I want to do, and then I go. All right, I'll do this one, and then I then something just comes into my head the last minute, and I have to fucking just like go. All right, I'll add that to the backlog. I I know the feeling. What what this have you? Week, I'm feeling. What's quite jumped nostalgic. the queue this week? I haven't I haven't watched it in a while. You mentioned on this episode of uh, uh, creators who have like whole worlds in their heads. So I thought I'll run with that theme, and I want uh. to revisit. 2009's Avatar. Oh, fuck. Wow. Okay. Because I know that you have uh, not seen it. Yeah, this is a movie I have never bothered to watch. I'm very keen to hear. Frankly, because have you don't... never had any interest in exactly. watching. But I think that's what's good. It's not, you don't, it's not that you're, it's like you haven't watched it out of some sort of like spite or disinterest. No. It's just perfectly just like, oh, yep, just haven't gotten around to it. Yep. Don't really have a bias. Nah. Just a real fresh perspective. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to discuss that with you. Awesome. Sweet, dude. If you want to follow along, we strongly recommend. Mecha- if you want to recommend. If you want to follow along, we strongly recommend you check out the movie as well. Although I'm sure not all of you. In fact, most of you are probably not as behind the eight ball as me. <laughs> dude, uh, as highest out of touch movie of all time. Culture. Once yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in his dog saw Avatar, dude. Yeah, well, my friends went and saw it on a day that I was working and I didn't want to go alone, so fucking nah, didn't get my heart earned, Mr. Cameron. But yeah, we strongly recommend you check it out so you got all that context and whatnot. So join us next time when we'll find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020 or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. You've got to work something out, but you've blown that. Sit down or I'll blast you in half. And you're so slow, you'll never stop. Sit down! You'll never be able to stop it.
finally sit down, just like you told me to. The sirens are close now. She'll be safe. Things go dark. I don't mind much. Getting sleepy. It's okay. She'll be safe. An old man dies. A little girl lives. Fair trade.